If you were here last week, Thad had a great talk where he talked about simplicity. Um, I heard it, but I wasn't here physically. I had the opportunity to go to the MLS Cup uh, to watch the Sounders win. It was an incredible time, and I just had a blast. And one of the things that I did, I totally like nerded out the night before and uh, just like read about 10 articles leading up to the, that was coming out the week before. And one of the articles that jumped out to me because it's something that like kind of related to what uh, we are going to be talking about this week, and I love to, anytime I can bring the Sounders into play, because no one wants to talk about them, we always want to talk about how great Russell Wilson is, and how great the Seahawks are, and how great of a team they are, but I just wanted to jump in today to kind of set the tone of what we're ta- talking about with silence and solitude, and so there's uh, one of my favorite players on the Sounders, his name's Nicholas Ladero, and so we got some pictures up there of him kissing the trophy, and like having a great time, but he's one of my favorite players, he kind of He's the captain, and so he gets the team together. He's like the glue of the team. And so two, three years ago, he came to the team, and uh, he's just this great player, kind of better than we've ever had before. And so there's this story that I was reading leading up to last week, and so this is what it, it talks about, and it's talking about the Sounders, their first game with Nicholas Ladero playing. It says this, Then the Sounders returned to the locker room from warm-ups prior to the Galaxy game, and somebody stood, um, stooped down to crank up the pregame playlist that had been a team staple going all the way back to their inaugural MLS game in 2000. Ladera almost immediately stood, strode to the stereo from his locker stall, and flipped it off. He walked calmly back to his seat to to tie his cleats, and sensing puzzlement, lifted his eyes to offer a simple explanation. And he said this, he said, we need to win this game, so we need to focus, Ladera said, asserting his primacy. Thus was born an unquestioned leader of the team and a new locker room routine that has held ever since. And so I just love this idea in the sense of this guy going over the stereo, turning down the noise to just say, we need to focus because we need to win. And so what we're talking about today is silence and solitude. And so I think there's a very practical thing that we can picture in our minds of this is that we need to turn down the noise so we can focus and be with God. And so I've been reading a bunch of books as it pertains to spiritual disciplines as we've been going through this series. And one of the books that's jumped out to me in this last week is this book by a pastor from Portland. His name's John Mark Comer. And so he um, has this book that's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's just an incredible book that talks about a lot of the struggles we have in our culture today with our smartphones and this just endless amount of noise and distractions that are coming at us all the time. And so he talks about about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so he calls it an apprentice of Jesus. And he says there's three main goals when you're an apprentice of Jesus or like what we call a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. It says, one, we want to be with Jesus. Number two, we want to become like Jesus. And number three, we want to do what he would do if he were you. Now, say that last one about five times fast, and you can kind of jumble over the words a little bit. But again, it's number one, we want to be with Jesus. Number two, we want to become like Jesus so that we can do what Jesus would do if he were us in the situations that we find ourselves in. And so this pastor's approach to spiritual disciplines is to realize that the reason we might take time to pray 
like we talked about in the spring, or the, the reason we might take time to fast that we also talked about last spring, or what we've been talking about now, the reason we want to be, find a simplistic lifestyle, the reason we want to spend time in studying scripture, and today what we're talking about, silence and solitude, is because we want to, one, be with Jesus. All of the spiritual disciplines are engaging us so that we can be with Jesus, but so that we can become like Jesus, and ultimately so that we can do what Jesus would do if he were us. And so it's an important thing to think about and kind of let our minds engage when we're talking about these disciplines. They're not just to tick boxes. They're not just to say, wow, I'm a super Christian. No, it's to say, like, I actually want to be with Jesus and have a relationship with him. And so today, the big idea that we're going to talk about today is that silence and solitude give us the opportunity to recalibrate our perspective every day. It's actually a true big idea because it's actually pretty long. But uh, we will actually want to recalibrate the way we think about our lives every single day. And the way we do that is like Thad said last week, we want to put Jesus first, the kingdom of God first in everything we do. And so we turn down the noise, get alone with God to let him know that like we're here. Because God is always here. And so I think sometimes these spiritual disciplines are actually us telling ourselves and telling God at the same time, Yes, God, I'm here to meet with you as well. And so the practice of silence and solitude is a daily practice of being intentionally present with God, just him and us. And so whether you do this in your bedroom or at your kitchen dining room table, or if you find a spot on the couch or you have a special chair, whatever it is that you find to be a place where you get to be alone and quiet with God is where this is going to happen. And so similar to the way the captain of my favorite soccer team goes to the stereo and turns down the noise to get his team to focus, we need to turn down the noise that is our lives so we can focus on God. And so maybe we need to start or continue this practice. And it's like, I don't want to make you think like we're just living our lives to win a game and just transfer it to a soccer game so simply. But really what we're trying to do is to live as followers of Jesus doing the things that we're doing each day. And so some of us have jobs. And so I would like to think of it as like, I'm a follower of Jesus who does this. In my case, I got two things. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian who is a pastor. And that's a really good thing. You want your pastors to be Christian. So I'm a Christian pastor. I'm also a Christian manager that works at the Y two days a week. But some of us here are Christian teachers. Some of us are Christian accountants. Some of us are Christian parents. Some of us are Christians' husbands and wives. We're Christian a lot of things. And what we do when we choose to sit in silence and solitude with God is we bring perspective on that. And we say, God, I'm truly going to live my life with you to become like you and to be the Christian of whatever I am, of what you would be if you were you. And so we think about it. What if Jesus was a bus driver? How would he be a bus driver? What if Jesus were a bank teller? How would Jesus be a bank teller? What if Jesus was a house flipper? How would Jesus be a house flipper? And that's the challenge we have to think about. That's the challenge we have in all of these spiritual disciplines is to become more and more like Jesus so that we could think, God, what would you do in this circumstance that I'm in? And so silence and solitude is a daily recalibration of our mindsets to put these things first. 
But so why do we do that? Well, thought one, we have three thoughts to talk about this today. And so thought one is that Jesus, Jesus models the importance of finding silence and solitude. And so you might be asking yourself, especially when we are talking about all these disciplines, when in the day am I going to find time to do this? When, am, when in the day am I going to be able to find time to have silence and solitude? And so I just want to talk about the life of Jesus and a specific day out of his life that we can read from Scripture to help us get perspective that we're not the only ones that were busy. Jesus was busy too. And so in Mark 1, there's a story about a Sabbath day. It's the day of rest that Jesus encountered. And so he had just uh, asked four of his disciples to begin following him. We got Andrew, Simon, who's also known as Peter, and then we have James and John. Jesus goes to them, tells them to follow him, and they do that. And so then they come to the Sabbath day. And so what they do is the, the five of them enter into the synagogue and Jesus begins to teach. And what he begins to do is he begins to teach and tell them about that. Well, a man is like, basically he's um, possessed by an evil spirit, comes up to Jesus and Jesus heals him in the moment. And so it's just this incredible thing. And what you read in Mark 1.28 is that it says the news about Jesus began to spread all throughout the region and where Jesus lived. And that's Galilee or where he was at the time. And that's Galilee. And so then after that, after that like synagogue service is over, they go over to Simon's house where his mother-in-law is. And so they find out that while they're there, that um, Simon, Peter's mother-in-law, he is, she's sick. And so she has a high fever, extremely high. And so Jesus heals her in the moment. And so it's like she goes, makes them a meal, and they eat together. Well, after that, it says in the evening, after the sun had gone down, people began to hear about this and they began to come to Jesus with evil spirits, with demons, with sicknesses. And Jesus just begins to heal them over and over and over. And so all of this is in the same day. Finally, Jesus gets to the end of the day. I'm sure he goes to sleep wherever he was staying that night. He's probably tired after a long day. Just to recap, we got him going to the synagogue to teach. He's going uh, to healing, healing the man at the synagogue that's uh, possessed by an evil spirit. He heals Simon's mother-in-law, and then he heals many more that night. And so it's just like stressful day, right? You know, if it's me, like this afternoon on Sundays, I'm just like a, in a vegetative state. I'm just sleeping or I'm watching football and I'm falling asleep while I do it. And so, but Jesus, this is a long day. But what do we read in Mark 1.35 right after this? It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. After a hectic day, when all of us might think we deserve a self-care day or we deserve a day to to like binge on Netflix, or if we think we deserve to like, you know, rejoice and celebrate, Jesus chose to isolate himself and to pray. And so what do we read after that? It says that Mark 1, 36 through 39, it says, later Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I'll preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And so I asked myself this question, what if Jesus hadn't have taken time to be alone with God that morning? I think everyone that Simon is talking about here, everyone would have found him. His time would have got sucked a number of different ways, and he would have done the Jesus thing and healed all of them, but he would have missed the time with God. 
And so simply put, I think we need to realize that if Jesus needed time to be alone with God, if the Son of God, God in flesh, needed time to be alone with God, then I think we, as followers of Jesus, need to have this time of silence and solitude as well. And so remember, this is a perspective change. It's a changing of, it's recalibrating our focus each and every time we get to be alone with Jesus. And so what is this isolated place and why did Jesus constantly go there? Well, if you look up in the Word and when you read it, we're going to read rapid fire through a bunch of these circumstances that Jesus was in, but there's this Greek word. It's called eremos. And so this is what, what is basically called a wilderness, a lonely place, a quiet place, a place of solitude, an isolated place. You read it all through Scripture, and we're going to read through them. But it's this place that Jesus constantly went to to be with God. And so it says in Mark 1, 12 through 13, just before this story, it says the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, the same word for a quiet place or a remote place, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Matthew 14, 13 says, as soon as Jesus heard the news of his, and so the news of his cousin, John the Baptist being beheaded, he left in a boat to a remote area. Eremos, to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was and headed and followed on foot from many towns. And so just to note, then Jesus goes to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And so then the story concludes and it says this right after that in Matthew 14, 22 through 23. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was was there alone. And so that is not the same Greek word, but it's still the same idea of Jesus getting alone to pray to be with God. Mark 6, 30 through 32 says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest to a quiet place, to Eremos. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by the boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. And so again, this next passage, not the same word, but the same need for solitude just before Jesus chose his 12 disciples. It says this in Luke 6, 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. Jesus knew the importance of being alone with God. And so finally, in Luke 5, 15 through 16, this is kind of what I want to be said of us at Open Life and people who choose to follow Jesus. It says this, the report of Jesus' power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. And listen to this, verse 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And so just so you know, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the Eremos for prayer. And so what I want us to think about and what I want to be a people are that who are about prayer and about being with Jesus is that we would be people who would get quiet, that we would get silent, and that we would be alone with God on a daily basis. So Jesus gives us example and the need for solitude. And if he needed, I think we need it too in our lives. But what can we learn about silence and what does it mean to be silent? Well, thought too is we need to realize that silence is both external and it's also internal. 
And so we all know that excessive noise can be distracting and annoying. And it's like just this thing that can really kind of like be this little tick that happens when we have this loud noise going behind us. It's hard to focus. But to give a little science to it, there was a study done in 2002 in Munich, Germany. They had this great opportunity to study the effects of airport noise on school kids. And so what was happening is their old Munich airport was being shut down and they opened a new Munich airport. And so this gave them the opportunity to study schools in the, the regions or the areas around the airport to study the children's learning ability leading up to when the airport left, but then also studying the children before the airport came into their area, and then what happened after the airport came, and what it had to do with like airport noise and the, the aircraft noise, loud noises going on while the kids are playing on recess. And so what they found out is that when the airport left, the children's cognitive learning ability increased like in a meaningful way from when the, the airport used to be there. And then what happened to the, where the new airport was, they were learning at a rate beforehand and then it dove down when the airport moved into the area. And so what this just means is that noise, what happens in our bodies is we create stress inside of us that says, I'm gonna ignore that noise. But what happens is that stress actually makes us ignore noise we need to hear like the form of speech. And so when these kids are hearing this excessive airpoint noise, they're saying, I don't want to listen to this. I'm going to ignore it. But what happens is they intentionally begin to ignore the teachings that are happening in their classrooms. And so obviously, noise is an issue. And so what we, what we can find from this is that part of silence is to promote focus. We want to get alone with God and silence everything around us so that we can focus on God. But what happens is, I think for some of us, is that external noise can actually help us ignore internal noise that is happening inside of us. We don't want to turn down the external noise. We don't want to turn down the music because then I have to be alone with my thoughts and begin to think about the things and the, the constant commentary that's running through my head on a daily basis. And so in the, um, the book I referenced earlier, John Mark Comer in the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry talks about this internal noise. And this is what he said. He says, here's what I mean by internal noise. The mental chatter that just never shuts up. The running commentary in our hearts on everything. The replaying of a lousy conversation with a friend over and over again. Our lustful thoughts for the girl or guy down the street. Our fantasies, and not just sexual, our revenge fantasies. Imagining saying this or doing that to our enemies of choice. Our worry, chipping away at our joy and peace with the hammer of what if. The obsessing over hypothetical scenarios, role-playing the future, catastrophizing, idealizing, dreaming of the perfect life, which in turn poisons our actual lives. And so yes, we can wake up early before the kids are up to have a moment of silence. We can refrain from instantly turning on the music or the podcast that we use to distract ourselves, but we also must learn to turn down the noise that's happening in our brains. We do this when we're silent and alone with God and we begin to offer up these things to him. One of the practices that I've been reading about in one of these books, The Celebration of Discipline, is called Recollection. And so it's where you go into this time of like meditation and you just take your hands and you place them both down and you say, God, I'm giving up 
all these anxieties, all these things going through my brain. And so you get to this point where you list those things off as you're, as you're just contemplating and thinking about God. And so then you come to the time where you turn your palms up and you say, God, I receive from you the answer to all those things I just gave up. And so it's this opportunity for us to be alone with God, to hear from him about what's happening in our lives. It's a recalibration of the way we see Jesus and the way that we're living our lives on a continual basis. On a continual basis. Also in this book, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says this about silence and solitude. He says, without silence, there is no solitude. Though silence sometimes involves the absence of speech, it always involves the act of listening. Simply to refrain from talking, and I would say simply to just turn down the noise, the external noise, is not enough. Without a heart listening to God is not silence. And so it's not that we just turn down the noise. It's not that we just flip off the switch and try to just listen for the hum of the refrigerator. It's that we actually are listening for the voice of God to speak to us in however we're living our lives. And so we move on to solitude. And thought three is solitude is a time and a place. And so the questions I want you to think about is where is the time in your daily life that you're going to be able to find silence and be silent? Where's the place or location in your life where you're going to find silence and to be silent? Solitude is the physical and temporal form of silence. It's like when we're actually alone, when we choose to carve out time and a place to be alone with God, we begin to put physical aspects to being quiet. Dallas Willard says this in The Spirit of Disciplines. He says, silence and solitude do go hand in hand usually. Just as silence is vital to make solitude real, so is solitude needed to make the discipline of silence complete. Very few of us can be silent in the presence of others. You got to get alone, find the time, and find the place to be with God. And so you're not just going to suddenly manufacture solitude in the busy lives that we're currently living in. You're going to have to intentionally repurpose the time and the spaces that you currently live in and say, God, I'm going to give this to you. And so for some, it might be a sacrifice to say, I'm going to sacrifice time, whether it's whatever works for you, the beginning, middle, end of the day, or the place that says, I'm going to find the place where I can be alone with God, where it's just me and him, and I'm listening to his spirit. And so practically, how do we begin to find this time and the place? And so what's cool is when you read um, the Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, he has some thoughts and ideas of how we can go from beginners to experts in this uh, idea of silence and solitude. And so he says this, in the beginning, you want to look for those, he calls them little solitudes that you have in your daily life. And so maybe it's in the morning before everyone awakes, you wake up first and you're just laying there in the presence of God. Maybe you're able to go downstairs and you uh, grab a cup of coffee and you're able to sit in a chair and just say, God, I choose to be silent before you for even three minutes just to listen for what my day is going to be like today. Maybe it's in bumper to bumper traffic where you turn off the radio And you live with the noise of all the cars around you, but you just rest in God's presence while you're watching the road and you're driving safely. (laughs) 
Maybe um, it's before, um, before a meal where instead of praying, you just simply ask everyone to be silent for 15 seconds, where you say, you know what, let's try something. Let's be silent for 15 seconds just to give our thoughts to God for a minute before we eat together. Maybe it's before bed and you sneak outside and you're just in the dark and it's just silent and you just say, God, I'm choosing to hear from you in this moment. Redeem these moments when you can find them and you begin to slowly, daily, and even hourly live with God in a deeper way. And so then the second thing he says, we'll find a quiet place. And so he even challenges people to think about rooms or spaces in their homes. Or if you're building a house, think about a room that you might say, this is my place where I get to be alone with God. And it could be super small. It could even be a closet. Or maybe you um, like block off a place in your garage or some people are making sheds in their backyard where you would just have a place to be alone that you said, this is my quiet place and I'm going to be alone with God in these moments. And it's like to practically think about that is challenging though. And we have to be committed to it and actually follow through on it. But it can be a super practical thing to say, you know what, this is something I'm going to choose to do, and it's going to be something I'm daily going to be a part of my life. And when you think about the hours invested, then it's worth to begin to set aside places for that. He even encourages a special chair that anyone in your family will say, you know what, when I'm sitting in this chair, this is my quiet time. Please leave me alone. And it's like, that might seem impossible, but if you teach that this is that, then maybe your kids would actually even like to sit in there so they don't have to listen to you. You know, it's like, I mean, that's what I would say if I was a kid. So um, he goes on and says, think about places outside of the home. And so this is where you can get creative. Is it a park down the street where there's a bench that, you know, no one ever sits at, but if you sit at, it's going to be your quiet place where you go to. Maybe you were able to find a retreat place or even just a, a place on the lake that you love to go to that says, you know what, this is my quiet place where I can give hours or even a 24 hours to say, God, I'm in your presence to be with you. And then he finally says, what about quarterly solitude? Where you go off for maybe even just four hour times where you say, you know what, God, I'm giving you this time and I choose to even bring my goals in a notebook and a journal and say, God, what are the goals you have for me and how might I begin to reorient or I would say recalibrate your life to put you as a focus as I approach these goals? How can I do what you would do if you were me? That's our constant prayer we need to have when we're having prayer with Jesus. And so to encourage you and to not make it overly complicated, I would just encourage you to let silence be the introduction to your prayer time. To honestly just try and close your eyes and say to God, God, I've quieted the noise. I've done my best to quiet my heart and the commentary in my mind, God, and I just listen to you. And you just rest there for a minute or three minutes or five minutes, whatever is comfortable for you. Challenge yourself but then you jump into scripture or you do scripture first and then you just say, God, I choose to quiet everything else and I choose to listen and think about what I just read and how I might apply it to my life so that I can live differently. And so today our action point is that we would just find the time and place to get quiet with Jesus. It's a daily recalibrated way of living our lives. And so remember, it was Jesus, it was said of him, that he was, he was a person who often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And so I just think about like 
the people of our church? What if it was said of us that we were people who often went into the, remember it's the Eremos, the quiet place, the solitude, the isolated place, the remote area for prayer. That when our friends are sick, they would know of us that we go away to pray for them. That when there's, it's personal, so I get choked up. Um, but when there's huge things going on in our community, that people would know the people of open life are people who are committed to go away, whether it's in their living rooms or a closet, to pray and be alone with God about it. And so I think it all comes, this is what Jesus did. He did that, but then he also invited everyone to like let him be the definition of that. And so he says this in John 15, four through five, he's speaking to his disciples on the last day that he's living. And he says, says this, John 15, four through five, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I imagine Jesus was crying when he said this. So that's why I'm doing it for you guys. Just want to really feel it. But it's so the truth that if we choose to remain in him, all of our fruit comes out of that, that our whole lives are defined on that, that we get to be Christian parents, Christian spouses, Christian teachers, Christian bus drivers, Christian whatever your occupation or role is, all the different titles you have, you get to be the Christian of that so that we can be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus would do if he were you. And so that's what silence and solitude gives us the opportunity to have today. And it's real, like, it was funny, like, of course it happens today, but I just took time this morning to just sit for like five minutes before I started like this morning at like 6.55 to 7, I did this. And of course, stuff just breaks and I'm getting stressed. I can't even say hi to my friend down here because I'm like trying to get the projector calibrated and it's just like, none of that matters. (laughs) I snorted on the mic, but you know what I mean? Y'all have stuff, and I think we have the opportunity to give it to God. And so let's do that today. Thad's going to come pray. Or no, I'm going to pray, but he's going to come up and transition the service. But it's just this opportunity for us to be alone. And it's not, we can't produce that here. I thought about it, but it get really awkward if you hear the click of a water bottle and stuff like that. That's not silence. You have to go to yourself and say, when is my time in my place where I'm going to be silent with God personally? And that's the joy of being a follower of Jesus is we get to do that. And so God, I just thank you for this time this morning to be able to talk about this. 
I am not perfect at it, but I commit to be better at it because you did it. And so Lord, I just pray that we would all take this challenge and we would do that because that's what you did. You asked us to remain in you, to be in you and to just be a part of your life. And so I pray, Lord, that you would become a part of our lives so that we would define ourselves by who you are, that we would see everything we do as an expression of who you are in us, God. And so we just claim that today, we believe it, and we choose to live it by the power of your spirit living inside of us. And so we just ask this in your name. Amen.